Hi, I'm Owen from Bite Size Irish Gaelic and welcome to episode 18, Iver a Hochjev of the Bite Size Irish Gaelic podcast. Even if you're alone learning to speak Irish outside of Ireland, don't despair. Rest assured that there are thousands like you across the globe, all interested in tapping into Ireland's native culture. And for all about this podcast, go to www.bitesizeirishgaelic.com forward slash podcast. And today I'm joined by a lovely guest, Pat Hagen. Pat, how are you doing? Uh, just fine, Owen. How's yourself? I am doing grand. Grimahagut. And Pat is coming from around the Jacksonville area of Florida. Am I right? Yes, that's right. Cool. Small town called Middleburg, just outside of Jacksonville. Hmm, lovely. I wanted to talk to you, Pat, because you've taken a bigger step, even if, I don't know if you feel like it or not, but you've taken a bigger step than most learners in the Irish language. So I just wanted to get to know you a bit better, as in how you got there and what motivated you, maybe what tips you might have. But... First of all, I have to just cover a couple of things. Episode number 17, there was a great response there. I think, Pat, you had chimed in on a forum thread yourself. The question of the podcast was whether I'm a native Irish speaker. And the reason that's important is because I am the voice that you hear in recordings in our online bite-size Irish Gaelic program. Because I grew up outside of the Gwaeltacht areas where Irish is not the main community language, but it was my first mother tongue. So there's big debate on whether I'm a native speaker and I'll stand by it. I am a native speaker. Maybe when I grew up, certainly with a different accent to what you'd hear of people growing up in the Gwaeltachti in those areas. But we strive to teach you Irish nonetheless. And... <laughs> Did you have any thoughts about that, Pat? Or? Well, certainly. I very rarely uh, chime into any of the uh, threads that go on that forum. But every once in a while, I have an opinion and I express it. Certainly, that was one of them. And, you know, once again, the issue is a matter of opinion to me. So I guess there's no right or wrong answer to those things. Yeah, you're very right. Like, things can flare up on uh internet forums. But I think that the actual uh, recommendations that we got were very good-natured and uh, we're going to do like a review a full review of our more than 150 online lessons just to catch any grammatical mistakes first of all that might have crept in over the past three years yeah as a beginner i would never have recognized the grammatical mistakes though i have to uh take it on faith that the uh, more learned people are uh correct when they say there are mistakes yeah like over the past several years we've had a couple of say native speakers working through the program um different people working on it but the trouble is up until now we didn't systematically sit down and review what we had and go okay we've created all these lessons now what let's go back and make sure that what we've said is all very correct so we're going to go back and do that and there was um plenty of other suggestions and comments for example people would like to hear more voices and more like accents or dialects on bite size right so it might never be feasible for us to feature three the three major dialects of irish we might have to concentrate on one 
but I would love in the long term to get more people into recordings and it's something we need to do but right now it's a question of you know it comes down to time constraints and what I can do and what we can do to develop the service so we take on all suggestions we love hearing feedback we try to fix bugs as they show up and long may bite-sized Irish Gaelic live only to get stronger from the comments from people. What do you think? Oh, I'm sure it will. I'm sure it will. Yeah. Most of it all is very constructive, I think. You know, with, you know, a few exceptions, you know, sometimes I think they bicker too much. I think it could actually be a uh, detriment. You know, it may turn people away from it, you know, with too much bickering about, you know, dialects and in, in that. And when I, uh, you know, participated in that little thread on that forum, that was kind of the point I was making is that, you know, for those of us, especially outside of Ireland, but any beginner, you know, uh, they can probably get quite intimidated by all the uh, bickering about dialects and could actually scare them away from trying to learn. You know, that's my opinion. Yeah, and I agree. And we'll delve into more of that, actually. I want to get more of your opinion on that. I wanted to mention a couple of iTunes reviews because a couple of people were very kind to leave five-star iTunes reviews for the Bite Size Irish Gaelic podcast. And it helps us if you do listen to this podcast on iTunes, that you log into the iTunes store and find the Bite Size Irish Gaelic podcast and write a review so you enter your own comment. So a person with the capital letters of D-O-C-E, I don't know who that is, in Australia said, a brilliant way to learn. I've only been a paid subscriber to Bite Size for about a month, but it was well worth so far. I'm from Australia, but my parents are Scottish and my grandparents on my dad's side are Irish. They've moved to Scotland in their 50s. Hmm. My granda always sung songs to me in Irish and I've always understood a wee bit of it. For the last year, I've been actively learning more and more Irish. And oh, that was Paul Doherty. He left his name at the end. And he asked a question in the comment. He said, quick question. If you were to blurb loudly, how would you say excuse me in Irish? So, Paul, to say that, you would say gav And I think that's a bit of a mouthful already. It's a phrase in itself rather than a single word or two. Gav It's one of the first phrases I learned because I figured I'd be using it quite often. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. I love it. And the thing is, stick to that form, gav moleskil, but gav moleskil, but it does, it can change if you're addressing more than one person. So if you want to be correct, it's slightly different when you're addressing more than one person at a time. But ah, I wouldn't get stuck on that detail if you're only beginning to learn. And what I would say is, um, I think it's bite-sized lesson number 38 that we have. And that's a whole lesson on excuse me and please and thank you. So those kind of formalities. So as a member, you can log in. Or if you're not a member, if you've never tried our lessons, there's a free trial there with no obligation. You just create an account and it's simple as that. You can log in and try out all our lessons. And there was one other iTunes review from Canada from Odium's Fist (laughs) is the username. Loving the podcast. Wish there were more of them. Would love to have a word of the day kind of thing to help us uh, who are new to Irish keep up the great work. So I have to say thanks a lot for that nice comment. And yeah, we get this podcast out uh, every second week, each Thursday, if all goes according to schedule. It's a nice sustainable rhythm, I think, for me. If it was more often, I'd be at risk of 
trying to bite off too much. So I wanted to add, um, now I don't typically go to the iTunes, but I receive a link in my email from you for each podcast. I receive an email and it gives a link for the podcast and I, I'm able to listen to the podcast through that link. Oh, excellent. Yeah. So to get that, what you do just for people who are listening, you can come to bitesizeirishgaelic.com and in the footer, there's a little form where you can put in your email address, your name and your email address. You'll get a free ebook from us and you'll get those weekly newsletters. So Pat, you're doing my job for me here. Well, I, I just, <laughs> you uh, mentioned the iTunes and I said, well, I don't go to iTunes, but I get the podcasts every week. So. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Okay. That's enough chat about the podcast. I want to get to you now, Pat. So tell me, was it in Florida that you grew up? Uh, yeah. Born in Miami and pretty much grew up there. Once I became a, you know, an adult, I uh, started traveling the world uh, courtesy of Uncle Sam, my service in the Navy. Oh, excellent. And then came back to Florida once I was done traveling, but uh, moved a little bit further north. So I spent most of my life here in Florida. Okay. And had you been traveling for long through the Navy? Oh, yeah. Yeah. They never uh, missed an opportunity to send me to one of the you know, far reaches of the earth to do whatever it is they wanted me to do. Right, yeah. Mostly the Mediterranean countries uh, I've been to, most of the Mediterranean countries. Okay, very good. And when you were growing up in Florida, are you of an Irish background yourself? Uh, I am. I guess we were informed of our Irish heritage. You know, my dad told us, yes, you know, we're, you know, have Irish blood in us. And my grandfather, my grandfather was, in fact, born in Ireland came to the United States when he was, I can't remember the exact age, adolescent age, probably uh, 11, 12 years old. Unfortunately, uh, it wasn't the ple most pleasant circumstances he ended up here. He wound up coming as an orphan and grew up in an orphanage. But And uh, we really never got to know him well. He, he died when we were young. But uh, the few, few times I remember interacting with him, I remember him speaking some Irish to us. Hmm. And do you have any idea where in Ireland he was from? Uh, that I don't know. Uh, once again, him being an orphan is very hard to trace back his family tree. Somebody had said that he came from up north in the County Tyrone area, but then somebody said that he came from Cork. So uh, it's hard to pin it down. It's very, you know, found plenty of people in Ireland with my last name, but none of them are a direct link to me. Interesting. Do you have any idea what kind of year he came over to the States? Oh, yeah, that I don't know. I wish I could. Mm. It's interesting, Pat, because... Um, yeah, my guess it would have to be in the very early 1920s or maybe even earlier. And the fact that he had Irish and good Irish, even in those years, in a lot of the urban areas, I mean, it was all English-speaking. Right. And uh, it was quickly or had, had faded away in many areas by the 1920s. Right. So I wonder, yeah, interesting. Yeah. I wish I could give you more detail on him, but like I said, uh, uh, yeah, it's very difficult to trace his uh, that bloodline, I guess. Okay, and when you were growing up, Pat, like, was it just something kind of in the background? You knew your dad was from Ireland, or how strongly did your family kind of associate with Ireland, if at all? Uh, really, not not very much, you know. To be honest, uh, you know. My father really didn't have much interest in his Irish heritage, and I had an uncle, uh, Matthew, who did. He was very interested in it. 
but of course he lived on the other side of the country so i i didn't interact with him very much as you said it was just kind of in the background we knew we had irish heritage but we really didn't think much of it as children i didn't really get a stronger interest in it until i got much older Hmm. and like what brought you to that point was it kind of simmering away uh, through the years or how did it go I guess, uh, you know, uh, I guess like anybody, you know, eventually you, you start thinking of where you came from, you know, so, and uh, that's how, what got me interested in it. And of course, as I learned more, I became more fascinated. And was it that, like, you weren't able to do any, like, family tree research, really? I tried. I went through, you know, some of the online research facilities and like I said, because of family splintering up and a good portion of my family grew up in orphanages, there just wasn't a whole lot of information. As I said, I've, I have to take it on faith that I have a strong Irish background. <laughs> well, you've got the name for sure. <laughs> right, right. We know for sure that my grandfather on my father's side came from Ireland. Everything else is taken on faith. Yeah. Mm. My mother actually grew up in an orphanage herself, but she was told that her biological parents had strong ties to Ireland as well. Hmm. But that's all the information she could get about her biological parents. So, so we just uh, we just take it on faith. And, you know, it's such a beautiful culture, you know, why not? <laughs> hmm. And you have been to Ireland already, haven't you? Yes, I have. I think about three, three, almost four years ago. And tell us a bit about the trip. Like, how did it go? How did you travel around? Because I have a feeling it was on motorbike, right? It was. I had a wonderful time. It was a very uh, spontaneous thing I did. I just, you know, I said, I'd like to go see Ireland. And I bought a plane ticket. And then once I bought the plane ticket, I started thinking about what I was going to do there. <laughs> Excellent. So, I, yeah, I landed in Dublin and I knew I was going to rent a motorcycle, but I had no idea which way I was going to go. So uh, once I got the motorcycle, I just decided, well, I'll visit the four compass points of the country. I started from Dublin. I went south to Kinsale went west to Ennis, up north to Derry and Belfast, and then back to Dublin, and several points in between. Yeah, and was that on your own or with your wife? No, that was on my own. Excellent. And you just mentioned in passing that you picked up a motorbike, but how did you do that? How did you source one? I just entered a Google search for motorcycle rentals in Ireland, and it gave me a selection of a few places. There's only a few, but gave me a selection and... Uh, then I contacted them via phone and set it all up. Excellent. And what was your impression, you know, when you landed that first time? That can be a bit overwhelming, especially if you're going to go driving in a new place, no? Well, the, yeah, I believe me, I was uh, filled with all kinds of anxiety about being able to navigate and getting used to driving on the other side of the road. As a matter of fact, uh, a couple of times I did make a mistake and, you know, had to correct myself very quickly much to the uh, dismay of the drivers around me. but uh, hmm. And, you know, I'm going to link this to learning Irish as well, because yeah. what they say about courage is it's not the lack of feeling of fear or of anxiety, but it's doing something despite those feelings or even because of those feelings. And oh, yeah. <laughs> you did that with your motorbike trip, which that's courageous. I have to say that's a great job that you did. And tying it back to learning Irish, you do have to kind of put yourself out there a little if you want to talk to anybody. I mean, if you're walking into a shop in Ireland and you decide, right, I'm going to use a bit of Irish now, and, and you might say, just for example, it's for hello. 
that needs a bit of courage. I'm not going to say otherwise. What do you think, Pat? Well, I, I couldn't agree with you more, Owen. I, I still am very self-conscious about uh, using my Irish around somebody I know speaks Irish. <laughs> you know, for a number of reasons. You know, certainly you, you don't want to come off as looking like an idiot. But secondly, you don't want to offend the other person by destroying his language. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I get very self-conscious about it. But uh, like you said, you know, uh, when I have the opportunity, I'll give it a shot and see how it goes. Yeah, excellent. Because, you know, I can relate to that. I'm... I'm a nerd at heart. I spend a majority of my time at the computer. Well, that's my profession, but all the same. And um, for example, I love photography, but I feel a little self-conscious taking photos out in public. So I can, you know, I can relate definitely to trying to speak a language is so much more of a step up. So I never want to kind of downplay the courage it does take to just step out there a bit and maybe use a little bit of Irish. Pat, I wanted to cover, I wanted to be sure that we covered that we had chatted before about your feelings, maybe on the background that where you came from and compared to kind of the expectation, I don't know, is that the right word, of the Irish language speakers, especially the people you maybe come across online. So I definitely have my own opinions there. So can you put that into words? Yeah, I think I understand what you're saying, uh, you know, uh, based on what I've written to you in the past. It's just Mm. I've noticed my interaction with a lot of the other learners, especially the more advanced learners, is that they seem to most of them share a common background in academia. You know, they've spent quite a bit of their lives studying something, which kind of intimidated me because once I finished my primary studies, I really, you know, had no other uh, experience in, you know, institutions of higher learning. And uh, sometimes that can get kind of intimidating, you know, you you know, these guys are very smart. (laughs) And, uh, you know, I come from a blue collar background, you know, no previous experience in linguistics or anything related to that. So, uh, yeah, that's that that was another hurdle I had to get over. Hmm. And do you think that, like, looking back a little now, were you really at a disadvantage or maybe you approached things maybe just a little differently or what do you think? Well, it would be hard for me to comment only because I don't know how the others approached it. I mean, I know how I approached it. I didn't put any pressure on myself. You know, I decided, well, I would uh, I would do this casually or leisurely, uh, you know, at a pace where, you know, I'm not pulling my hair out because I'm not understanding something. And, uh, even though even during the process, I've been at this now for probably over a year and I still consider myself a beginner. But when I get to that point of frustration, I start thinking, well, I definitely know a lot more now than I did when I started. So, uh, you know, you can make progress even if you're not, you know, a professional student. You just may have to work a little harder at it or it may take a little longer. That's all. Yeah, I love it. I love that attitude because... Isn't it easy to kind of get stuck and almost avoid something because you're feeling a little bad, like, oh, I should have done more of this. And instead of progressing, you kind of shy away from it, right? Yeah, I do try to tell myself I've been speaking English my entire life and I don't get that right most of the time. So I can't expect too much (laughs) when I'm trying to learn a completely different language. So. That usually puts it in perspective and I'm not so frustrated then. I love it. Yeah, I definitely have my own opinion there. Like maybe it's it's a bit of the extreme of what, especially maybe what you find online. But 
there's um, certainly snobbery, bickering, sometimes a lack of respect for beginners and where beginners need to start from rather than expecting uh, that they jump in midstream, right? Yeah, I've experienced a little of that, but that's actually more the exception than the rule. Most of the people I've interacted with are very nice and very understanding and willing to help you. You know, I've only run into a few that, you know, try to demean you or minimize your efforts, you know. Okay, that's excellent. I love yeah. to hear that. Yeah. And Pat, the first time that you were in Ireland, did you get to hear any Irish around you? Maybe not. Uh, only a little. I recognized a few people in Belfast, of all places. I, I heard a few people speaking Irish in Belfast, but for the most part, no. I, everybody was speaking English. Even when I was on the West Coast in Ennis and stuff, I didn't... Uh, of course, I wasn't actively looking for people who spoke Irish, but I didn't come across any either. Yeah, which is why I love hearing, like... I love hearing from people when they do say that they've heard a little Irish, like you just said, but I'd want to make it very clear to people who are thinking of visiting Ireland, even in the Gwaeltacht regions, like, for example, Dingle Town, Dangany Hoosh. Officially, that's in the Gwaeltacht, but it's a tourist town and it's run in English, pretty much. You'll hear Irish in the pubs. Uh, I did only a few weeks ago, but you do have to keep your out. So don't expect to just land in a place and you hear Irish everywhere. And if they don't recognize you, and even if you're in the thick of the, the Gaeltacht, they'll speak to you in English because they know that you're not from the locality. It's, it's simple as that. And it brings us back to uh, having a bit of courage to maybe speak a couple of words in Irish, say hello and stuff like that. So, Pat, you were telling me, I think, that you are planning another trip, are you, to Ireland? That's correct, yeah. Once I was bit by the uh, Irish language bug, I immediately went to work making plans to attend the Aegis Gale up in Donegal. We'll be going there uh, this June. Excellent. What kind of course have you signed up for? or Can you give a little background to what you know of Aegis Gale to people who might not know? Well, it's my understanding that along with their language classes, they also offer uh, several different classes on Irish culture, whether it be uh, archaeology, uh, environmental issues, or painting, certain musical instruments. They teach you a little bit. It's uh, quite a bit. And I've actually signed up for uh, several different classes while I'm there. I'm actually going to be there for about almost a month and a half. <laughs> At Idiscoil, or in Ireland generally, really? Yeah. You'll be part of the furniture for sure. That's excellent. Yeah. Well, as I said, once I get the courage to dive in, I usually dive in the deep end. Oh, yeah. I love hearing that. The organizer of Idiscoil is Liam O'Quinnagain, and he's been uh, running it and setting it up. He's, he was setting it up years ago. He's been running it for years, and he does a, a fantastic job. Uh, he's a lovely guy. Yes. I've traded a few emails with him. He is. He's a very pleasant man. Excellent. Yeah, he's very nice, very helpful. So for you, Pat, you were studying Irish for, you know, a, a nice bit during the year. So you took a year learning and a year or more into that. Now you're going to be attending a Disgoel. So do you think that's a good point for learners uh, to, to travel if they really are bitten by the Irish bug? I'd say maybe if you're more of a beginner, maybe you should give it a little more time and let it brew a little before you travel. What do you think? 
Um, well, uh, it may be an individual thing, Owen. I, you know, uh, some people, like you said, they want to dive in right away and, and, and get themselves elbows deep in it, as I like to say. And some just kind of like to put their toe in it first and check the water a little. I kind of am right in the middle. You know, I'll put my toe in and if it seems OK, then I'll dive in the deep end. But yeah, I, I think it's an individual thing. It uh, certainly I don't see where it could hurt you either way, whether diving right in or, or going a little at a time. But I guess it's hard for me to make comparisons because I, I can only uh, fall back on my own experience. I don't know the experience of others. So it's hard for me to compare my experience with someone else, I guess. If that makes sense, yeah. It does. It definitely makes sense. And it would be nice to get people's, if people are listening to this, who have also traveled a similar road, uh, to get their feedback in on the show notes page of this podcast. Um, so that'd be nice. Yeah, I will say, as I've learned more, I've certainly grown an appetite to learn even more. You know, I guess it, uh, you know, it's kind of like the uh, the snowball effect. As, the, as it starts rolling, it collects more and more. And and you get more and more enthused about it. So. Ah, excellent, yeah. And on the practical side of things, do they arrange accommodation for you? Yes, well, they do. I think their accommodations are limited. So, um, you know, they, could, they only have so many uh, rooms available for the students. I don't know if they uh, limit the amount of students they have to the amount of accommodations they have, but they also recommend plenty of uh, small B&Bs and stuff in the area that you can stay in as well. So there's a variety of accommodations, including some right on campus. Mm -hmm. And I think I'd say a big part of this actually meeting people who do have the same interest. You get people traveling from all types of countries to Itascoil to from and on different levels of uh, spoken Irish. So it'll be nice for you to get to know some of those people, make some connections and maybe go home with a, a couple of new friends you can keep in touch with as well. Well, I certainly hope so. I, I think that's the one thing I'm lacking in my studies is the being able to interact with others, whether they be at my level or a little higher. In other words, I have very little chance to use what I've learned. Yeah. So this is really an excellent chance for you, added this girl. Pat, I'd like to ask this question as we're finishing up on the podcast today. So would you have a little tip maybe for somebody who's sitting on the fence uh, from their perspective you're light years ahead you've traveled that year and you've put in time and effort to learn a language and you call yourself still a beginner but okay so let's say this person who they've covered three phrases in irish but they have not gone further but they still really feel strongly a part of their heritage part of their irish heritage that they have and they want to keep going with it they just don't know, is it worth it or is all this frustration worth it, you know? So what do you think, Pat? What would you say to that person? Uh, I guess the one piece of advice that I would give is what I apply to myself typically and is not to place too much pressure on yourself. Uh, Rome was not built in a day, as they say. You know, just take your time and don't put too much pressure, but definitely stay interested. You know, things will come, you know, things will come. As I said, when I think back, I, I know a lot more now than I did when I first started. It still isn't much in my book, but... <laughs> those are great words of wisdom, I think. Um, I'm, I'm taking those down. I'm, I'm writing them down because that's excellent advice, I think. And I'd love to hear if people have found 
value in what you've been able to share with them, they should leave a comment on the show notes and you'll be able to see maybe their their nice feedback if they do that. So, Pat, I do want to say, Gormila Mahagut, thank you very much for your time. It was lovely chatting with you. And thank you for having me. No problem. I was worried about the uh, whether my testimony would be very compelling, but uh, I enjoyed the experience chatting with you, though. I think it's uh, lovely for people who are, again, in a, on a road like yourself, and they may not have a connection with people around them who are learning Irish. So it's really valuable in itself to hear the, the story of fellow travelers <laughs> along the road. Very good. So uh, to leave a comment for Pat about this episode of the Bite Size Irish Gaelic podcast, you can go to bitesizeirishgaelic.com forward slash podcast and just click to episode 18. And then at the end of that page, you just simply leave a comment, your name and your comment. It's as easy as that. If you're loving the show, the best you can do is go to iTunes and leave us a five star written review. You can send listener questions and any feedback you have for me uh, directly. It'll reach my inbox and the address is podcast at bitesizeirishgaelic.com. Thanks to Tsukumo for their music which you hear on this episode under a Creative Commons license. And until the next episode, slán go Bye for now.